Well, good morning. Welcome to Harvest Bible Church. As my husband always says, it's the best church on the block. (laughs) Church on the corner. Yes. Amen. It's so good to see all of you come out, the brave souls that came out again on Sunday. I'll tell you. I didn't scare you off. That's good. You came back. Amen. Um, Welcome. If you're new, this is your first time here. Welcome to Harvest Bible Church. We're so happy to have you. Um, If you would like to know more about Harvest Bible Church, there is a connect card in the front seat in front of you, and um, you can just give us your information if you have a prayer request. We have an incredible prayer team. Can I see some hands? Amen. Do we have an incredible prayer team? Um, You know, they pray. I'm on their chain, you know, when when we get prayers, and they, I'm telling you, they are praying for your needs. And I know we had some people uh, with back issues. Miss Teresa, I see your back. Your, your back did not keep you back from uh, the house of God today. <laughs> Amen. And uh, those of you that were sick, we're so glad that God's word has healed you and you're back and feeling strong. Amen. Um, but if you, would ha- if you have a prayer request, please uh, be fill-, fill that card out and you can put it in the offering bucket or pass it to any one of the ushers this morning and they will get that to the prayer team and we will unite our faith together, amen? There's power in unity and um, God is, is still answering prayer. Um, brother, brother, <laughs> brother pastor, <laughs> cutie, handsome, you know, he's handsome to me, uh, my precious husband, Pastor Mark to you. Um, the men are all in retreats, and um, from what I've heard, they're having an amazing time learning about the heart of the Father and what that means, and God has been ministering to them there at, up in Twain Heart, and um, you know, we, they just, it was packed out. I mean, it's, that's like a first for the men's retreat, I believe, that they actually packed out, and, um, and so what an exciting thing that they're, they're encountering God, amen? And so we're believing God's going to put the cap on what he wants to do in their lives today. But we're going to go ahead and take our morning's tithing and offering this morning. Um, thank God that we have been blessed. We're a nation that is blessed. You know, thank God that we are, uh, you know, blessed by the Lord to, to give, of the Bible says, of our first fruits. We're going to give a 10% of our income plus an offering, whatever. And you want to give not, not grudgingly, but willingly this morning. My husband and I, we love to give. We really do. And, and both of us are crazy in that way. And, um, and so we love to sow into the kingdom of God. We love to sow into lives because we believe in the principle of seed time and harvest. God, I mean, you plant that seed, God will bring a harvest. And so um, we don't need your money in that sense, but we need you to have faith in God that God will supply all your need right? According to his riches and glory. And so we know that he is the source of all our supply, not your employer. Thank goodness. (laughs) But God's meets and supply all. And and I'll tell you, I, boy, can, how many can testify of God taking what little you may have and just causing it to be multiplied? Amen. Yeah. I, I have seen God do that so many times, you know, from from when as a child all the way to an adult, I've seen God do supernatural miracles when you give, when you sow into the kingdom of God. He, I'm telling you, he loves to be challenged that way. He's like, you know, come and, and test me, prove me, see that I will not pour out a blessing. And so what a privilege we have this morning. So um, if we can go ahead and get the, do, am I supposed to pray first? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to pray for the offering and then I'm going to have them collect the offering. How's that? 
I don't usually do this part. So if you have your seed, uh, go ahead and hold your seed up. If it's on your phone, hold your phone up. We want to acknowledge, God, we thank you for the seed that we have this morning to sow into your kingdom. And we declare it blessed. And Father, we thank you this morning that, Lord, that not only will you supply all of the needs in our lives, but God, we thank you that you're supplying all the needs of Harvest Bible Church. You're sending money and offerings for our new roof because the rain's coming, God, and we need a new roof. And we thank you, God, that that roof is just going to be paid for before we even have them start the the job. God, we thank you. We declare that. We thank you for all the things that you're going to do. Our new sanctuary, the new kids department, me taking over this room for the kids department. God, we just thank you. We praise you for blessing the seed in Harvest Bible Church, how we love you and we honor you with all that you've given us this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now you may get the offering and we're going to have some announcements. Good morning. Welcome to Harvest Bible Church. My name is Leticia and I do have a few announcements for you. Um, Last Sunday evening, praise God, we had 32 baptisms happen. Yes. If you got baptized, we have your certificates with some amazing pictures on them. Um, They're out on the lobby, so you can just um, grab the one that has your name, and they're all laid out there for you, so you can just pick it up. Also, the Art of Parenting class starts tomorrow night. Yes, it is at 6 p.m. It's going to be an exciting time. I mean... What parent doesn't need some other parents to just vent to (laughs) and learn from and just how to put faith into that? Because I don't know how many times I've needed that with my daughter. (laughs) She's eight going on 18. (laughs) There is still time to register. It is $10 for the workbook, and you only need one workbook per family. Um, and you can just register all um, your whole family right then and there. We will also have child care during um, this class. Vacation, come on. <laughs> so very exciting. So I'll be tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Also, ladies, our ladies' Bible study starts back up this week. It is Thursday at 9 a.m. And they have their Zoom evenings at 6.30, and they're studying the book of Daniel. So that's an exciting time. Miss Linda does the ladies' Bible. I love her and her bell. She keeps you in check. (laughs) So it'll be an exciting time. I think that's it for announcements. I wish everyone an amazing Sunday. (laughs) Amen. Um. I know. I tell you, she forgot my class. I tell you. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I'll talk about it. So um, we, I mean, there's some really exciting things happening here at Harvest Bible Church. I love the parenting class. I'm really excited. Miss Tracy, how many kids do you have, Miss Tracy? She has six kids. Do you think she kind of knows maybe what she's doing? (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) And then how many grandbabies? And eight grandbabies and still coming, I'm sure. They're still going to be coming along. So she's going to be teaching that class. And, um, you know, it's, it's important, especially you young parents, it's, it's really nice to have someone to mentor you in those early years. And, in, well, actually, in all those years. What am I, who am I fooling? I mean, you, you need some mentoring in all those years with your children. And, you know, it'd be great even if some of you uh, mature, you know, parents that you did, a, you know, you raised your kids, maybe you should sit in on the class too and, and maybe be there to help assist and to encourage the young parents. You know, it'd be nice to have mentors in the class as well, um, you know, to come alongside of them 
them and just to encourage them that, you know, these children truly are a gift from God. They weren't sent by the devil. <laughs> they are blessings. I, I love I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love your children, HBC kids. So we want to be the best parents that we can, right? Amen. And then, of course, Miss Linda is starting in the heavy book of Daniel and going to Revelation. So, I mean, you, you, we're, not, we're not giving you any milk around here. You guys are chewing on the word, the meat of the word of God here. I love it. And, um, and then the last thing I, I do want to announce is that October 2nd, we are starting a whole new curriculum here. Everything's going to kind of shift from 9 to 9.45. We're going to have um, what's called HBC School of the Bible. And the adults will be meeting in here, and then um, we'll have the same class happening for junior high, senior high. Cameron will be ministering to them, and then um, at 10 o'clock will be regular church time. And I know 1030 is church time, and then your children will be doing the same curriculum. So from pre-K all the way to adult, we're all going to be doing the same curriculum, and um, it's called The Answers in Genesis is the, where the curriculum is from. And I, I, I did, you know, talk about it a little last week and, um, and the importance of us knowing the truth of God's word. And I'm going to actually pick up from that this morning, although um, I'm going to be going a different angle, but, but it's important. And I do hope that you, you choose to take this class. I do need you to register just so, because I am ordering books for you. And, um, and so I need to see how many books I need to order. Amen. All right. Well, let's, could you stand one more time with me? And let's uh, just bless his word. His word is blessed, but let's just pray for the speaker. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Father, we just thank you this morning for your word, your word that is truth, your word that is life, your word that is powerful, your word that is life-changing. And Father, we honor your word this morning, and we honor, God, you this morning. And, and we ask that you would give us ears to hear all that the Spirit wants to say to us this morning and hearts to receive and minds to understand this morning that the enemy cannot steal the seed, the word of God that is coming forth this morning, that we would have clarity and we would grasp it and understand it and that we might be able to run with the vision and the message that you give us this morning. God, I thank you. We love you so much. And we just thank you for all that you're gonna speak to us this morning. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In um, in second, I want to just pr- uh, lay a little information on this before um, I go too far. The importance why why is coming to church and listening to the word of God being brought forth in church? Why is these classes so important? You know, and and the Bible tells us in Second Timothy two fifteen. I'm going to just read this to you. It says. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly explains the word of truth. That's the New Living Translation. The King James Version says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, um, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there is an accountability for us as Christians to truly know how to rightly take God's word and bring the truth of it out. We don't, we don't make it up. We don't add to it. 
We don't go, oh, I think, that, I think I see it saying this way. We are supposed to be diligent workers in studying God's word that we might be able to correctly explain the truth to those who are seeking the truth of God's uh, salvation. Amen? And so when, when we talk about having these classes, and especially, you know, I'm, I'm going to emphasize the class, the Sunday school classes, um, the school of the Bible, is that we are to be a, dis- a disciple, Is there disciples in the room? A disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple simply means you are a disciplined one, right? You are a taught one. You are taking the time to be disciplined in the word of God. You cannot be a follower of God without being a discipled a disciple of God. You've got to take God's word and you've got to allow yourself to be a worker diligently seeking, studying, finding out, and that takes time. It takes effort. It takes me being diligent because I want to be faithful because I'm not trying to prove myself to you. I'm trying to prove myself to God. And that's what it says, that present yourself, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Amen? But I want to work hard. And so I want to correctly explain the word of truth. And that's what we're, we're hoping that this class will do for all of us, that will all teach us line upon line and precept upon precept, that we might rightly divide the word of truth. And being in that truth, we might become very bold and confident to be able to stand in the hour in which we're living, which is filled with such hypocrisy, lies, and demonic tells of, you know, all sorts out there. Can you say amen? I mean, you, you can just turn on the television and see that the world has gone crazy. They've gone mad. And so how, how much more do we as a church need to really know the truth of what God has spoken to us? Now, the name, the title of my message this morning is that where we start from, the starting point matters. Where we start from, The starting point matters. Charles Spurgeon said this. We must always distinguish between the root and the fruit. He is a very poor botanist who does not know a bulb from a bud. But I believe that there are some who do not know which are roots and which are fruits. And I am sure that there are some theologians who hardly know which is cause and which is effect of spiritual things. This is an incredible statement. You've got to know the difference between a root and a fruit. The root is the cause. The fruit is the effect, right? The root is the cause and the fruit is the effect. When we look at the world in which we're living, we must remember that what we see is the root. It's the cause of what is happening in the fruit of the world. Um, we're seeing the effect of it. We're seeing, uh, well, let me go on and read. The world we now live in is not the world that God originally created. And this is why it's important because where we start from, the starting point matters. And, and so we got to know that the starting point that God started was good, that it was all good. God began creation and he said, it was good, right? He said, it was good. And then something happens and we see that the world that we now live in is not necessarily good. There's, there's things that are happening in this world. For instance, there's suffering, there's sickness, there's death, there's hatred, there's fear, there's war on many fronts. There's a world full of broken people, People in pain, people in depression, people in addiction, people, I mean, children committing suicide, murder, hopelessness. 
And we see a generation rising up, longing to be heard, longing to be seen, longing to be loved, longing to be accepted, and longing for an identity. And we wonder why we see this this whole duplicity, this whole thing that's happening in the world that is so off. And, And many people ask, if God is such a good God, why is there evil in the world? If God is so good, why doesn't he just do something? Why does he allow the evil to happen? And it's because that the way the world started was good. And then that was the root. That was the cause. But then there was an effect that happened. Something changed the beginning. And a new beginning came into order. And now based upon that beginning, the world, we're seeing the effect of what's happening in the world is everything is broken. Everything is just, is, 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 is just not, it's not a safe place anymore. It's not a place of peace anymore. Um, when you hear somebody talk about broken relationships, broken marriages, you see the effect of a broken world. You see that something, something is not right. There's a, such an identity crisis. You know, you know, you hear in this hour, you hear the I identify as, I identify as, I identify as, I identify as a male. I identify as a female. I identify as a they. I don't know. I, I don't know all the pronouns. I identify as, uh, let me tell you one in, let me just throw this in here. Of in in, in uh, Australia, a teen identifies as a cat. And she's allowed to talk like a feline, <laughs> feline in class. She's allowed to meow. She's allowed to wear ears and a tail. I mean, we see this in America. It's not just there. And the school system is allowing her to identify as a cat, as an animal. Um, I, you know, and, and, and there's all sorts of things I identify. And why is there such a loss of identity? Because somewhere we lost the beginning of how God originally started something, the beginning. And so it's so important for why in this hour, why this message is so important that we understand what it was in the beginning. What does it mean that in the beginning, and, and just as I said that stated, that statement, where we start from, the starting point matters. The beginning matters. The word beginning means, that, means this. It's defined as the point at which something begins. The first part, it's the origin. It's the point of time or space at which anything begins. And, um, and we know that one, the, the most attacked book in the Bible, can you guess what that book of the Bible might be the most attacked? The book of Genesis, because it's the book of the beginnings. And in the book of the beginnings, God established, I mean, he established the origins of, of, of uh, creation, the origin of male and female, the origin of, of a family, the origin of, you know, of life, everything we see. And so, um, so we'll look at that a little more in a, in a second. But because um, the word beginning means everything else that follows, follows from that point of beginning. Where I'm at at the beginning, it means everything's gonna follow suit after that. So if I have a faulty starting point, if I'm at a false starting point, and then I start from that way, you can see how it'll affect the rest of my life and the rest of my decisions. So the starting point matters. What truth I'm standing on really matters. 
What I believe really matters and what it, and it needs to be truth because if I start from error and deceit, that means everything in my life is going to be a house of cards and it's not going to hold up. Understanding where I come from is instrumental to understanding my purpose. We have such a, a, a world of purpose, purposeless people. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say that. Uh, people without purpose. And even sitting in the churches, a lot of times people don't understand their purpose. Why am I here? Well, we go back to the book of the beginnings and God lays out the origin of why you're even here. Um, it's the place that I lay my foundation. And, and, and any of you who ever, you know, my, my husband is building for us a deck. And um, he, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time to be at home. So bless his heart, what time he gets, he's, you know, and, and I, I, it looks like the size of this platform. <laughs> I go, I think you're building a platform, not a deck, because it, it's pretty big. And, um, and he, you know, he, I watched him do this work for us, you know, on, on this whole, you know, deck thing. I'm just like, you know, me, I'm a woman. You guys are going to love this. I'm like, oh yeah, build us a deck, babe. That'd be so cool. I, you know, I don't know what I'm asking. And, um, you know, our yard kind of slants down this way. And so, you know, he has to, you know, he has to measure, he has to, you know, get boards. He has to, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of work to that foundation. And then he has to support it. He has to anchor it. He has to make sure it's all lined up, you know, that this equals up to this. And he, you know, he's, he's working strong on that foundation. And he told me, you know, this part's the hardest part. It's the longest part. Once I get this built, I mean, putting the boards down is going to be a piece of cake, but this part is so important is that foundation. Because if he doesn't do it right, when I invite all you ladies over for a tea and we start, you know, polka dancing or something, we're going to fall if, the, <laughs> if that foundation is not stable. And so, you know, it's very important that we realize that my foundation is, is got to be strong. Amen. So in the book of Genesis, we find the beginning of all things. We find the origin, the beginning of creation of the world, the origin of all created living, living things. We find the origin of time, the origin of purpose, the origin of identity, the origin of a man and woman, a family. I just said these, the origin of, and this is really important. We also find the origin of sin. We find the origin of death. We find the origin of shame and pain and fear all coming from, uh, from an act of disobedience to God. And when I understand Genesis, when I understand especially Genesis 1 through 3, when I understand those three, those three chapters, it gives me a proper starting place. And from that position, that in the beginning, God... In the beginning, God. And that is my starting point. In the beginning was God. And from that starting point, then I began to see as God begins to reveal this, he begins to create the earth and he begins to create the moon and the sun and the stars. And, you know, uh, I, I love that kind of stuff, you know, and, and if you've seen the new telescope that they have out now and they've, they've got these amazing pictures of the stars and, and I mean, it's the clarity is it's phenomenal. And, um, you know, the, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. It should cause you to worship your God. Like, wow, there are stars and galaxies that you and I cannot see with our physical eyes, but they are out there, I believe, just to give us, wow, ah, oh, God, you're amazing. And, and so, and so we, see, we see all that origins we find in the book of Genesis, 
and, um, and in the beginning, God. So what I want to, what I want to do in this, in this message this morning is I, I want to start in the beginning, God. That's the, that's the starting point I want to start with God. It matters what you believe about God. It matters what you believe who God is. And it matters what you believe that he has done because what he has done, if I have confidence in what he has done, I can have confidence in what he will do. And so the starting point for all of us needs to be in the beginning, God. What do I believe about God? And the first thing we learn is, does God even exist? Does he exist? And this is a, this is a very principle that is being taught in the education system. You know, when you have a whole platform coming of, um, of evolution and the naturalistic, you know, point starting point where the naturalistic starting point is that, you know, things just happened. It just was a spontaneous thing that just kind of formulated. And, and I used the analogy last week that it's like taking a man's pocket watch, right? And you have all the pieces inside of a box, the springs, the little arms, I don't know, the things that turn, <laughs> all the pieces. And you put that, that, that watch inside of a box and you shake it and then when you open it you expect it to come out a perfect watch exactly on the perfect time that is the whole premise of really what evelation and naturalistic beginnings is expecting that you can take chaos and collision and it can come and formulate per precise precision, natural laws that we have. Do you know that the whole earth is and the, and the, the, and all, you know, the planets are governed by laws of nature and it obeys the laws of nature? Why does it obey the laws of nature? It's very mathematical. It has, it has, it's very factual and, and time. Who established? Something had to establish because the earth is following this. And it all points to in the beginning, God, a designer, one who created, who had a purpose, who said to the oceans, you're through the waves. You can go this far, but no more. You have to go back. I mean, because there's this divine, amazing God. Now, let's look, um, turn with me into your, into your Bible this morning in James chapter 2. It matters, like I said, what you believe about God, but there is a type of belief that is important. And in James chapter 2, verse 19, James says something very interesting in this, in this scripture to us. He's actually speaking to the church. He says, you say that you have faith. For you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. It's not enough just to believe in that there's a God. There is a type of belief that you must have because even the, de- the devils know God exists and they tremble, they fear him, they know who he is. But the kind of belief that God is looking inside of you is not just that you believe that God exists. It's not enough with that. It's having a faith and a trust and a commitment into this God of the universe, the God who created the universe. It's not just having a knowledge of him, but having a relationship with him. You see the difference? A demon does not have a relationship with God. 
And so, but they believe that God exists. So it's not enough just to believe that God exists. I've got to have a faith in him. I've got to have a commitment. And so the, ver- the very first fundamental thing when we start at the beginning, in the beginning was God, is I've got to have a faith in God. I've got to trust him. I've got to com- be committed to him. And, and as we begin to look in Genesis chapter three, we see the very first thing that Satan begins to attack is her belief in God. And that's no different from you and I. That Satan, number one, will come and cause you to disbelieve the reality of God, to not believe that God exists, to believe that, you know, to believe in something other than him, because what does it do? It, it takes you from the wrong starting point. And just as it did with Adam and Eve, which we'll look at a little bit, as they lost their belief in God, it affected the entire world, you and I. All right, um, Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. As we talk about Eve and and Adam in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the writing of Paul to the church in Corinth. And he says this, he says, I hope you'll put up with me a little more of my foolishness and please bear with me. And that's kind of maybe me even saying that this morning. (laughs) Bear with me. Hear me out this morning. Don't close your mind to what I'm saying. Especially if you're not walking with God and and you, you don't, you're not, you're not even, you don't, you wouldn't be called a believer in God. Listen to what I have to say. Be, be open enough just to hear what I have to say. This is what Paul is saying. And he's saying this, he says, for I am jealous for you with a jealousy of God himself. For I've promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever else anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus and the one, than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one that you received or a different kind of gospel than the one that you believed. How you believe God in God matters. What you believe about him matters. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that I'm afraid that just as Eve was in a position where she knew who God was. Matter of fact, they walked with God in the garden. But Satan comes, we see in Genesis chapter three, Satan comes and and he possesses a serpent and the servant begins to have a, a, a talk with her, which is really, we know, is, is Satan himself, who's talking to Eve, and the begins, he begins to have the dialogue with her. Has God really said? Is that actually what God meant? And he begins to not only sow the seed of doubt of who God is, but then he begins to even attack his character. Oh, God knows that you eat of it. Your eyes are going to be opened. You know, you're not going to die. He begins to attack the character of God. He actually begins to now call God a liar. He's lying to you, Eve. You're not going to die. Your eyes are going to be open. And as a matter of fact, you will be like him. You will be like God. And this, and this position of what she once believed in God, that God is good and God loves me. God has a plan for me. God has a future for me. I have a purpose. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about anything. I mean, he's given me all the trees of the, of the garden to eat except for the one. And he's going he's to meet and supply all my need. But as Satan comes and he begins to deceive her, begins to change who she believes God is. 
And when you go through something, when you go through a hard time, when you go through a difficult time and you lose something, something precious to you is taken from you. What is Satan's number one thing he does? Wow, God sure let you down, didn't he? Where was God in this? Why would God allow that to happen to you? I thought you loved God. Didn't he love you? But he didn't stop that from happening. And he begins to attack the very God that you trust, the very God that you put your hope in, the very God that is the one that, um, as we see through salvation, that comes to redeem everything that is lost. But he comes and he tries to make you doubt the God that you serve. You, are, you and me are no different. That's why Paul is saying, I'm fearful. I'm jealous over you. Like, like a bride, I'm pre- I want to present you a pure bride, but I'm afraid that you're listening to heresy. I'm afraid that you're listening to something that's saying, that someone is saying something different about the true character of who God is, and you're living it, and you're believing it. What you believe about God matters, and what you believe about this word matters. What you believe about Genesis matters, because in the beginning, God I have to have this starting point. You know, and I was asked the question, you know, and, and I know many of you are going to have questions in, in, as we begin to look at this, you know, deeply. You know, does it matter if I believe in, in the six-day creation or if I believe in the thousands years of, of you know, of creation, of, you know, which I talked about theistic evolution is that God, God said, let there be, and then there was a thousand years in one day and a thousand. And the question was asked, does that matter if I believe in a literal six days or if I believe in this thousand-year thing? Well, it matters. And you know why it matters? Because it comes to, to authority, it comes to, do I believe the authority of what God's word says to me? If I, if I can take and mix the teachings of the world and add it to the teachings of the Bible, I've just done here what it says. I'm afraid that you're like Eve and you're listening to another Jesus. You're listening to another gospel. You're having a different spirit than the one that I've given you. It matters what you believe about God. And, and, and that's what that, that, that whole thing, if I, you know, and again, we'll talk about more of this in class. I hope every one of you come to the class. I hope this place is packed out because the more you know and the more you understand, the more, again, you rightly divide the word of truth. You're able to teach other people about the truth of God because God is good. God is not the origin of sin. God is not the origin of death. He's not the one that created death. He's not the one that created sickness. He's not the one that causes your loved ones to die from a disease. He's not the ones that cause your children to get, you know, uh, uh, horribly hurt or, you know, touched in a bad way. He's not the origin of sin and disease. He is the one that is good. And because man sinned, it says that sin came into the world, which brought forth death. And that originated when man chose to disobey God. It was a choice. In this chapter, I, Again, I I can't emphasize enough, even as a pastor, be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're allowing to speak into your life if it doesn't line up with the Jesus of this Bible and you're listening to somebody tell you about, about Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of this Bible. Oh, it sounds like a good man. He sounds like, well, maybe it's, yeah, we kind of sort of got the same God. It's like the teaching of Islam. I've done a class on that before. 
And a lot of Christians think, you know, they, they try to bring the similarities. Well, we have the same father, Abraham. You know, you, you have the prophet Issa, Isa, which is Jesus for them and Jesus for us. And they, you know, there's a lot, it sounds like a lot of similarities, but I'm telling you, that's not the same Jesus. Not the same Jesus. It's not the same God, the father. They don't know the love of a father. And so it's important that you're very careful what you're listening to because the deception, if it couldn't get past Eve, it's not going to get past you. And so I've got to guard. I've got to be careful who I'm letting speak into my life. The next thing that's important is God cares what you think about him. He cares. He exactly tells us who he is in this Bible. He exactly tells you who he is. If there's no guessing what kind of a God he is, I mean, you hear, you hear a gospel out there and, and the message is God is love. Yes, God is love. Absolutely. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What did his son Jesus come to do that was the demonstration of God's greatest act of love? He died upon a cross for you. He took your place of punishment. Not only am I forgiven of my sins, but he took the penalty Amen. of my sin. I don't even have to bear the penalty. That is a message of who God is. He's a God of love, but he doesn't love your sin. He doesn't, he's not going to embrace your sin. That's why his son died was for the sin. I can't choose to live in sin and say, I love God. I'm a liar if I live uh, and say I'm a Christian, but I'm still choosing to live in sin and rebellion and disobedience against him. The two do not line up. That's another message. That's another Jesus. That's another spirit. Look at Romans chapter one. I, I love you, Harvest Bible Church. I know I'm, a lot of you, I'm just preaching to the choir this morning, but I want to stir you up. I want you to be so stirred up in the spirit this morning. I want you to be bold. I want you to be confident in who you are. I don't want you to be passive. This is not the hour for the church to be passive. This is not the hour for us to sit quietly and just have a little prayer meeting. I mean, we pray. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we don't just pray in silence. It's time for us to get out the doors. It's time for us to get into the world. It's time to be salt. It's time to be light. It's time for us to have an influence in a world that is going to hell. Amen. And I want you to be stirred up in the spirit. I want you to know your beginning. I want you to know who you are in Christ this morning. I want you to know that you're a child of God. I want you to know that you have authority. I want you to know that you've been transferred from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of his son. I want you to know that you're the redeemed, that you're hell, that you've been taken from, from a place of going into hell till now I'm going into heaven. I want you to know that you have a future. I want you to know that God loves you. And in that confidence, I want you to go out into your workplace and into your world. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Romans chapter one is probably, Romans is one of my most favorite books anyway, but in Romans chapter one, I, I don't think that there is a more appropriate chapter than where we're living. And, and it just goes to show that sin is not new. All right, this whole identity, you know, thing is not something new. I mean, the world, you know, men have been doing crazy stuff from all the way back when Noah got flooded, right? And when the, they created the Tower of Babel and, you know, I mean, sin and Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, these things have been happening all the time. But what I want to say 
is that God cares how you perceive him. And in this, and this is what I want to actually grab from this passage in Romans chapter one, verse 18. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven. Wait, God has anger? Wow. I thought it was a God of love. No, look what it says. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, here he's going back to the, in the beginning, God. People have seen the earth and the sky and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. That's why learning about the creation is so important because God reveals himself through creation. You see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature so that they are, have no excuse for not knowing God. Listen, yet they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead came, became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols and were made to look like mere people, birds and animals and reptiles. So God changed, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things which, with each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the things of God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. And that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged with sex with each other. And men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men as a result of this sin. And they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. And since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do the things that they should never be done. And their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They were backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful, and they invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents and they refuse to understand. They break their promises and are heartless and have no mercy. Wow. For they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, but they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. I mean, what a what a appropriate passage for that time that we live in. But what I want I want to bring out in this point, I want you to remember remember we talked about the root and the fruit. The the what we see happening here is there is a root that is bringing forth a fruit. And we can begin to judge people by their lifestyle choices and we can get angry at them. We can get in conversations with them and we can just, we can, we can nail them and say, you know, the Bible says this about homosexuality. And it's true. It does say something bad about homosexuality. But I, if I'm going to just attack them on the effect, I've missed the root. And what I need to go is I need to go after the heart of the matter not the effect. 
I don't need to attack the effect. I need to go after the heart. I need to go after the root. And what is the root? That in the beginning, God. And you got in a wrong starting place. And, and as we begin to go through Genesis, you begin to see how God established an order and origins and things that he's done. And whenever I'm searching for fulfillment in anything out here, it's because I've lost that alignment with my creator. And once I align myself with my creator, everything begins to come to place and make sense. But God is very particular what you think about him. And here he is saying that they've suppressed the truth of who he is and they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. God doesn't, doesn't want you to believe a lie of who he is. And, and just as he's a God of love, he's also a God of judgment. You cannot have the one without the other. And, you know, uh, so many times, you know, so many times my husband and I, we've counseled, you know, people in our, in our office and, and they ask us, you know, pastor, you know, what should we do? And we give them the best, wisest counsel that we believe that we can give them. And we read the word to them and we pray with them. And like a little mama and dada, we pat them on the shoulder. And we're like, oh, good. They got it. And then they leave the office and they, they do the opposite. They never do what we say. And it's like, and then you, you watch them make wrong choices and wrong decisions as pastors. You, walk, you watch them live a lifestyle that's, that's not lined up with the word of God. But the Bible says that the goodness of God leads to repentance. And sometimes we think that when we're living in sin and doing things wrong, but we're still being blessed, we're still things are good, we think, oh, God, God must not care that I'm doing this in my life. God must not think that this is wrong, but God has given you a time to repent. And this is a time and an hour that God wants the truth of who he is, that he is a just God and he hates sin. Don't you think just because you think you're getting by with your sin that God doesn't care. God's given you time to repent. And God, the Bible says that judgment must begin in the house of God. It begins in me. You and I are up here and we pray for revival. God send revival. Revival has to begin in your heart and my heart. God, look inside of me. If there's anything in me, it, you know, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, look inside my character. Look inside my motives. Look inside my, my life. God, where there is sin, expose it and show it because I don't want anything to be a false truth that I'm believing that is not who you are. Are. That's when revival will break out in this house. When we all of a sudden begin to realize that God, I have fallen short of your grace. I am falling short of your mercy. I mean, you're being merciful to me, but I'm undeserving. When we realize that in the comparison of his love, then we see the power of the love of God like we've never done before. Because to whom much is forgiven, I mean, they love much. Amen. God doesn't want you to make up his own version of who he is. God wants you to have to be in truth. And there's so much, there's so much to, I know, to, I could go on and on about, about how you perceive God, the importance of that. But I want to I jump ahead here um, that God cares who speaks for him. How many know that there are a lot of people out in the world that say they're a prophet of God? How many have heard some crazy things that prophets have said? And um, God cares who's speaking for him. And if you think that they're not going to be judged by the words that they're speaking that doesn't line up with his word, 
oh, it's coming. Payday is coming for them. And this is the, this is the actual passage that God gave me for this morning in Jeremiah chapter 23. And I think that this is the most important thing he really wants to nail into you this morning when we talk about in the beginning, God, is that God cares who's speaking for him. And um, I'm going to read to you in Jeremiah 23, beginning with verse 16. All right, it says in verse 16, now Jeremiah, uh, just to, matter of fact, let me read this part right here. This is really good. This was another, another minister. I found this that he wrote, and I thought it was very good. He says this to kind of preface the background of what, what's going on with Jeremiah. He said, um, the situation, and we're going to read this, the situation in, into which God spoke these words through Jeremiah are very much like ours today. It was a time in which the devil had sought to weaken the impact of God's word in people's lives by mixing it with fallible words and ideas of false teachers and false prophets who claimed that they too had a revelation. The prophets and the priests of Jeremiah's day were the ones that should have been preaching and teaching the word of God to the people and leading them to, a, to live in accordance with God's revealed will. But it was a dark time in which those entrusted with his word had become characterized by gross immorality and idolatry. It was a time in which God's word had become neglected and ignored, and in which the prophets sought to draw people's attention away from God and to themselves through the imaginations and the visions of their own mind. It was a time in which man-created, man-centered messages were being proclaimed that comforted the sinful lives of people. It was a time in which like that, which apostle Paul warned would come in the last days, a time which he said, some shall, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. First Timothy four twelve, four one through two. I'm sorry. First uh, Timothy four, one and two in a time which Paul said, Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4 said, They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned. Now, we know in the hour that we're living, and it's a scary thing. I have, I have friends that I know that go to, go to churches where, and I talked about this a little bit about last week, about how the, they teach that the Bible is not, uh, it's not inspired, it's, it, contains the word of God, but it's not the word of God. So, so the confusion is, well, how do I know what is the word of God and what can, what is man? And so the, it, it brings a distortion. And then, so there are ministers that are speaking, uh, you know, a light word. And I hope that Harvest Bible Church, we never preach a light word to you. I hope that when you come here, I hope that you're challenged. We have to be challenged. And we're going to look at that right here in Jeremiah, that the true word of God should, should have an effect on you. That when you come to church and you hear the minister speaking, it should impact you. And it should cause a response. I miss the days. I remember as a child seeing the altars lined with people crying out to God. I miss those days. Where is the altar time anymore? Where is a time for us crying out to God? Oh God, do it again. But in Jeremiah chapter 23, let's, let's read this verse 16. 
God is speaking and he says this. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says to his people. It's to his people. Say his people. He's talking to you this morning. Do not listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They are making up everything they say. They do not speak for the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise my word, don't worry. The Lord says you will have peace. I mean, that's key number one. People who speak in your life, if they don't take the word of God as the word of God, don't let them speak into your life. If they despise the word of God, I mentioned this last week and I'm going to say it again. All of us, as an example, okay, I'm just use this as an example. All of us listen to Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci told us from the CDC, you know, gave us the whole, you know, entourage, how we should live, how we should function under COVID. And, um, and again, that's, that's an effect, but I want to know what is at the root of Dr. Fauci? At the root of Dr. Fauci is a humanist. What is a humanist? Someone who doesn't believe in God. Someone who doesn't believe in the word of God. Someone who believes that you are just like an animal, that when you die, you cease to exist. Something that believes in the evolutional theory that the fittest will survive. So it, do we really trust someone? And, and it's not just him because he's, he represents a whole ideology in our country, in the, in the world. Do we really trust an ideology that doesn't have a faith in God telling me how I should live my life? Do I really base my decisions on someone who doesn't even care if I exist or don't exist because as, as evolution has proved, the fittest will survive. And if you're not fit and you don't make it, well, then, then uh, the uh, evolution has just knocked you out because you shouldn't be here. That's the whole premise behind it. And so it's important that I, I don't despise, I don't listen to those who despise God's word. And to those who stubbornly follow their own desires, they say no harm will come to you. I mean, how, how many messages do we hear on hell anymore? I mean, we got to know the truth. Amen? Amen. Have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence? Because here's the key. A true prophet who has been in the presence of God will hear what he's really saying. Has any one of them ever cared enough to listen to what God had to say. Look, the Lord's anger bursts out like a storm and a whirlwind that swirls down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not dismiss until it has finished all he has planned. In the days to come, you will understand all this clearly. I have, God says, I have not sent these prophets and yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. And they have, if they had stood before me, listened to me, they would have spoken my words and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and their deeds. A true man, a woman of God that is speaking for God will always challenge you from your evil ways and deeds. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to miss it. It's so easy to get compromised in our decisions, compromised in our life. We start with a little sin and then we add another little sin and pretty soon you find a little deviation from the truth. You're off altogether. Look what God says in verse 23. Am I a God who is clo only close at hand, says the Lord? No. I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in the heavens and the earth? God says the Lord. 
He says, I have heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? He says, if they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything they say. By telling these false dreams, they are trying to get my people to forget me, just as their ancestors did by worshiping the idols of Baal. He says, let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. He says, there is a difference between straw and grain. There's a difference between that which will actually feed you. You know that when they, they, they do that to the grain, the chaff comes off. It's that outward piece of the, of the straw, the wheat that has no food value whatsoever. When you're listening to words that aren't the words of God, it's like eating. That's what you're living off, the chaff. It has no, dige- no, no nutritional value to whatsoever. God says, let them speak it because what they're speaking has no life. My words have life. He says, there's also a difference between, uh, okay, does my word not burn like fire? Says the Lord, is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? Therefore, says the Lord, I'm against these prophets who steal messages from each other and claim they are from me. God cares who is speaking for him. And we as Christians have to be very careful to guard who we're allowing to speak into our life and what we're allowing to, God, to guard our life because God's word brings change. And, I, and I'm going to end, um, I want to end with this, with this one thing that I, I just, this morning, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Why is God's word so important? And, and again, I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 3. One, two, and three, in the beginning, God, and we find in Genesis chapter three, we find the word of God being challenged to Eve by Satan that God, you, you, don't have, you don't believe him. He's lying to you. Why is God's word so important? Why is believing what God said, said so important? Because Satan knows that when you actually believe in God, it's gonna change you. When you actually believe that this word is true, it's going to change you. When you know who you are in Christ and you know your authority and you know, you know that I am a child of God, when you begin to know the truth of what God's word says, it will make you an enemy of the, of the kingdom of darkness and you will cause him trouble. And so that's why he, oh, he, always, he always brings, likes to, to take the truth of God's word and, and mix it to error. But I'm going to read this very quickly, but I, want, I hope that this, I'm hoping that this will get you stirred up why God's word is so powerful. Ready? The word of God must be practiced. It is a path, path for me to walk. The word is where happiness is found. These are all found in the scripture, by the way. The word gives me life. It's good and renews my life. It's what I put my trust in. It's what that gives me hope. This is why Satan is attacking the word of God in your life. By following God's word, I walk in freedom. It comforts me in my troubles. It's the theme of my songs. Um, I should spend my life obeying it. I turn my direction to follow it. When I'm anchored in it, it keeps me from sinning. It creates community. It should be more valuable to me than millions in gold or silver. Its regulations are fair. By keeping them, I'll never be ashamed. His word is trustworthy. His word is eternal and stands forever. 
His word is faithful and enduring. His word remains true to this day. His word sustains me in joy in times of misery. His word gives me life. His commandments have no limits. They make me wiser than my enemies. They are my constant guide that give me insight. They're a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His laws are my treasure and his, and his word is my heart's delight. His word is the source of my hope. Why does Satan want to fight the word in your life? Are you hearing it this morning? His word guides my step. His word is perfect. His promises are thoroughly tested, but they're just eternal and perfectly true. In times of pressure and stress, I find joy in them. I should rise in the early morning and put my hope in his word for the rest of the day. I should think about them in the night. The very essence of his words is truth. They will stand forever. My heart should tremble at his word. I should rejoice in them as one finding great treasure. They're to be valued. I should love his instructions because they give me great peace. And when I'm taught his word, my response is praise. I should sing about his word. His word can be compared to, we just read this, the difference between chaff and wheat. It's compared to a hammer. A hammer, when a hammer hits, it breaks. Um, It drives in the point. It's like fire. It can consume you or it can empower you. His word is like honey. It's sweet to the taste. It's a seed which is sown in the harvest. Though the smallest of seed, it bears great fruit. It is in, it's the incorruptible word that saves my soul. It's a two-edged sword that divides, that, that goes in there and, and causes my soul to stop controlling who I am. The word of God is a rock foundation and it is a light. The word of God is more to be desired than gold. It's life-giving, it's powerful, and it's sharp. He sent his word and he brings healing. His word is joy when followed. My life should be compared to it. My actions should reflect it. It tells me how I should live. I should obey it. And obedience to it keeps me pure. Should, it should be hidden in my heart. It should be recited out loud. It should be rejoiced about and loved. It should be studied. It should be reflected upon, delighted in, not forgotten, lived and obeyed. For it is truth and it is instruction. To wander from it brings a curse, but to... Yet they bring pleasure and wise advice to one who follows. It revives me. It teaches me. It encourages me. It keeps me from being deceived even by myself. It's the basis on how I live my life and it gives me understanding. I mean, that's just, that was mostly out of Psalm 119. (laughs) That's why Satan wants to attack the word of who God is. He wants to attack the book of Genesis. He wants to attack your origin. He wants to attack where you begin. He wants to attack your belief in God. He wants to give you a distorted view of who God is because all that, that's my starting point. If I have a wrong starting point, the rest of my life is going to be messed up. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your word. God, I love your word is so powerful. Your word, I love that the word says that the preaching of your word gives faith. And that there is faith in this room because I preach the word. Faith has been giving, given for salvation. You sent your word and you healed them. God, the word has gone forth and people can receive salvation and healing this morning. And God, I thank you that right now, that, that Holy Spirit, that you would just take the seed of the word of God and just begin to, to, when each one even leaves this room, that you would just begin to speak to them, that you begin to show us God, if there's any area of our life where we're in error, 
If there's anywhere in our life where we're in sin, where we're in disobedience, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I I give you permission to convict me. I give you permission to to direct me, to show me, God, because I want to be in obedience to you. God, because you're my joy, you're my strength, you're my help, you're my hope, you're my delights. And God, I just, I don't want anything to come between me and you. And I pray that everyone in this room, God, that we would all feel that way, that we don't, we don't want to stand short. We want to be able to stand confidently in your presence. And so Holy Spirit, continue to take this word, I pray, that for the rest of this week to instruct us, to challenge us, to draw us closer to who you are, to bring us truth, to unveil the lies of the enemy. Let truth replace every lie of the enemy in their life. God, every person that has a a, a time in their life that they're in a a place of brokenness and despair, God, I pray that you're the God of hope. You're the God of healing. You're the God who can reset the beginning. You can reset and you can make old things new, you said. Old things are passed away and all things now become new. You can take what is broken and the, and the past that they've been walking in that's so destructive, so deadly, so horrible, and you can give them a new beginning today and they can start in a right place with you. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for giving me a new beginning, God. Thank you for changing the way that my feet was walking. And I heard your word and I changed the direction and I followed your word. And your word is blessing to me. How we love you this morning, Father. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know everyone in this room. I don't know where you are. You know, I don't know what... In life, what you're walking through, but I do know this that if you're not right with God, today is the day of salvation. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed when you walk out this room. You know, we're not guaranteed. We we don't know what's going to happen. If you don't know what will happen to you, if death, if you should die, if you don't know, if you don't have no peace and you don't know what's going to happen to you, you can know today. You can know without a shadow of doubt, you can have salvation, you can know that heaven would be your home. But that takes you taking that step, as we talked about earlier this morning, you've got to be diligent. You've got to say, God, that's me. I, I want to get right with you. Is there anyone in this room that would raise your hand and say, Pam, I don't know Jesus. I've had a bad starting place, but I would like to know Jesus. You would like to receive Jesus today as your Lord and your Savior. Anyone in this room that doesn't know Jesus. We never want to end a service without giving you the privilege and the opportunity to receive him. I'm telling you, he will change your life. He will change your life. All right, if there's anyone in this room, any Christian that you know you're not walking right with God, I want to open the altars to you to come. Just even in the front row, just find a place or even where you're at, kneel before him. Just have a little talk with Jesus. Remember that song? Let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our trials. Let, you know, he will hear our famous cry. He will answer by and by. Amen. Let's pour out our heart to him. Um, and all the rest of you are dismissed. Thank you for coming this morning. Be blessed this, this week. Get into the word of God. See what God has to say. Start your day with Jesus. Amen. And we will see you on Wednesday. And um, God loves you. We love you. And have a blessed day.